Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and this will be the last part of our uh, lecture series on the adrenal gland, and I'll cover a few different entities and make a few comments. The first thing I'll start off with is neuroblastoma. Although most neuroblastomas do occur in the pediatric population, we occasionally will see them in the adult population as well. But if you focus on the pediatric population, it's the most common solid abdominal mass in infancy, and the third most common malignant tumor in infancy. Three-quarters of the cases occur before age four, and about two-thirds of cases arise within the abdomen. Typical presentations, abdominal mass in about half the cases, neurologic signs in about 20% of cases, bone pain from metastasis also in about 20% of cases. About two-thirds of cases will arise in the adrenal gland, about one-third will be extra-adrenal. We also see tumor metastasis not only to bone and liver, but also to orbit and proptosis is one of the classic presentations. Neuroblastoma is usually unilateral, but can be bilateral in about 10% of cases. Calcification is very common, probably is more common in this than almost any adrenal tumor. Calcification will vary from punctate to coarse calcification and occurs in about 70% of cases. Neuroblastomas have a range of size from one to 15 or so centimeters. Most of the ones I see are in the five to say eight or nine centimeter range. And here's just a good example of neuroblastoma, large mass, in this case has gotten so large, has calcifications, has necrosis. Could be difficult to distinguish from a pancreatic mass or a, a mass in the port of hepatis. Just something to keep in mind as to its variations in terms of appearances. And in CT, as we said, calcifications are common, 70 to up to 90% of cases. Necrosis and areas of hemorrhage are not uncommon. Vascular encasement is common, although invasion is rare. Neuroblastoma can involve the uh, IVC, but that's pretty rare in terms of direct invasion rather than compression. We think about adrenal carcinoma for invading and having thrombus in the IVC, but I typically don't think of neuroblastoma the same way. And as we said, metastases are common even at time of presentation. We mentioned before how common neuroblastomas are, particularly early in life, although the majority are before age four. It's the most common malignancy in the first month of life and accounts for 50% or so of all malignant tumors at this age. So it indeed is a common time. Let's look at some appearances. Here's a relatively small four centimeter mass. There's calcification, there's necrosis. In the right age group, there's not a whole lot else to think about. Here's a larger one, and sometimes with neuroblastomas, the masses are extensive. You can't really tell it's an adrenal tumor. There's subcrural nodes, there's tumor in the port of hepatitis, there's peripancreatic disease. There's tumor everywhere, very extensive disease. Displacement of kidney is common. Often the reconstructed views when you go from axial to coronal can be helpful. This case also shows you nicely how the uh, encasement of the renal artery is present, but the renal artery is patent. And again, necrosis, indeed very common. And here's two more images of that patient. You also can see the neuroblastoma can extend above the diaphragm. In this case, it's extending into the posterior mediastinum. I have seen a number of neuroblastomas primary in the mediastinum, particularly in the posterior mediastinum, as was uh, this extension. Here's another example, large necrotic mass, 
Another example, very similar. Sometimes the difficulty distinguishing neuroblastoma from Wilms tumor does occur, both in children. Again, that was more of a problem with IVPs. Once you do get into CT, it's typically not a problem, particularly looking at epicenter and looking at displacement. Remember, adrenal masses tend to displace rather than to invade. A couple of the comments I mentioned how neuroblastoma has calcification. Calcification can be seen in a number of things, ranging from Addison's disease to amyloid, hemorrhage, Wolman's disease. Infectious etiologies are not uncommon. Most of the time we see adrenal calcification, like this example in the left adrenal gland, we assume it was probably old inflammatory disease. That's not a bad thought. Histoplasmosis, tuberculosis, here's an example of TB of the adrenal gland, are not uncommon, and TB or histo commonly calcify. Again, unilateral disease means the patient has good function from one gland, and so should be asymptomatic. These are typically incidental findings. Another case of calcification, when I see calcification like this, you could think of a cyst that calcified. Remember I mentioned before that when I see cystic lesions that calcify around the rim, which is the case here, I always think about the possibility of a um, old hematoma. So that's again something to remember. In terms of uh, other lesions that calcify, myolipoma is a very nice lesion that calcifies. Often you'll see fat, but as I mentioned earlier in the talk, punctate calcifications are not uncommon. And here's just another one. Calcification, low density, adenomas are not very frequently calcified, but calcifications in myolipomas is indeed very common. I'll show you one other very rare case. Here's a teratoma. Huge mass, pediatric population, fat and calcification. Looks like an ovarian teratoma. It was in the pelvis. Unusual tumor, but a home run diagnosis. What about fatty lesions? Well, we mentioned this teratoma. Other lesions, myolipoma, we showed you examples. Adenoma, that's how you diagnose it. Pheos occasionally can contain fat, and as can adrenal carcinomas. So you can see that we're able to look and define lesions by size, by shape, unilateral versus bilateral, look at patient age, look at enhancement, look at calcification, look for fat. There are so many important findings. Look for washout. That's how we manage adrenal lesions. Again, going back to the initial talk, most lesions are benign. Most are incidental and most are leave alone. Other lesions, obviously, as I've shown you, need to be worked up and removed. There's lots of other interesting work going on with the adrenal. Uh, the use of 3D mapping before laparoscopic adrenal resection is something that's been looked at recently and does play a major role. Many of the small adrenal lesions and even some of the larger ones are being removed laparoscopically. So concluding then, CT is a study of choice for the evaluation of the adrenal glands. The CT appearance alone may determine the etiology of the pathology present, particularly when combined with the clinical history. Other imaging modalities, MR, ultrasound, nuclear medicine, they all can have certain value. They all can be helpful, but again, CT usually will allow you to make the right diagnosis. And with that, that's the end of our adrenal section, and we'll see you next time. Have a good day.